Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellen podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. Good morning. Hi. We are starting a new series, Harmony, Color, and Composition. It's a very vibrant series. Um, So that's what we're kicking off today. I know it's technically not the beginning of the month, but it just makes sense with our calendar. It's the official beginning of summer. There you go. So we're starting a new series. Uh, We're touching on music, art, diversity, inclusion, and what that looks like for us in our current context. So that is kind of the uh, background of this series. So the biblical passage that I have been assigned is Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, and then verses 22 to 31. So those, that's the text we're actually going to be in today. But we can't examine one passage of scripture or a couple of verses without examining the whole context. So we're going to do that. Um, and that's really what I'd like to start us with to set the stage for the rest of it. So we do not put scripture verses up on the screen. So if you don't have a device or a Bible of your own that you would like to read out of today, you can raise your hand and one of our hosts can get you one of our Bibles to borrow. So let's start with a little bit of context on the book of Proverbs. The Bible Project is a really great resource for um, Bible study, and they actually have a video specifically on this chapter. So if you're interested, that'd be a a resource for you. They also have like a 20-page textual analysis if you really want to get into it. Um, So just know that those resources are out there uh, if you want to dig deeper. But anyway, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs include a cast of characters, and you'll see those up here on the screen. You have a king, Lady Wisdom, who we're going to talk about today, a wicked man, and Lady Folly. So those are the people giving these speeches in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. And yeah, that's not what they actually looked like, obviously, but you get the idea. King, Lady Wisdom, wicked man, Lady Folly, and we're really talking about Lady Wisdom today. So the king in the writing is talking to his son, which is generally understood to be you and I, the reader, Okay. Um, but one thing that I want to make clear is that these are symbols. They're not like actual historical figures. When we read certain parts of the Bible, we might understand that certain parts are historical, that are to be taken in that way. But when you look at the Old Testament, you have law, history, poetry, and prophets. And Proverbs is part of poetry. So it makes sense that this is a poetical thing. These are poetical symbols. Um, but regardless, we do not take it as history. So... Um, I have to admit, when I first read this passage, I was like, what in the world? What does this mean? Anybody here really love literature? Like, you love to just dig into stories and, yeah, okay, some of you. All right, well, I'm maybe not alone then for the rest of you. Um, I hated reading comp in school. Like, I was no good at it. Writing, yeah, sure, but, like, reading literature and finding the meanings behind things, that was not something that I was great at. So reading this was a little bit of a challenge, but that's okay. Um, When we read the first bit of Proverbs, especially the passage we're reading today, we need to keep in mind that this is wisdom personified. Lady wisdom. Personification. It's a literary term for you. Okay. Um, So as awful as I am at understanding a lot of literature, I can still appreciate good writing. So I can appreciate that Lady Wisdom's speech is kind of sandwiched. Parts one and three of the speech talk about how wisdom is of immeasurable value and it's something that's worthwhile in our life. The second section talks about how God's wisdom is woven into every, our everyday lives. Um, and then uh, we get to 
the part of our speech that we're going to be covering today. So, um, oh, and she doesn't give this speech like a messenger or a prophet. It's not like, thus says the Lord. This is, again, more of a literary, it's poetic. So, since we have set the stage, we're going to get into the passage. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, and then verses 22 to 31. And I promise I had planned what I'm about to do before Marcel uh, spoke last week, but it's going to seem like I took a play out of his book. I promise I didn't. The first four verses we're going to read from the message. And uh, the last, um, from verse 22 to 31, we're going to actually do New Living Translation. So that's a little bit different. Um, but I just really like the tone that it sets for the passage that we're going to read. So we're going to start Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. I'm going to read first from the message. Do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taken her stand at first in Maine. At the busiest intersection, right at the city square, where the traffic is thickest, she shouts, You! I'm talking to all of you! Everyone out here on the streets! Listen, you idiots! Learn good sense! You blockheads, shape up! Wow, what an introduction <laughs> to this passage. And we know that she does make these calls for people to listen to her, so that's, that's what you have here. Quite the introduction. But now we're going to jump to verse two, keep, or 22, keeping in mind that this is still part of that speech. New Living Translation is what I'm reading today. The Lord formed me, wisdom, from the beginning, before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past, at the very first, before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born. Before he had made the earth and fields and the first handful, handfuls of soil, I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizons on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the sea so they would not spread beyond their boundaries and when he marked off the earth's foundations. I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence and how happy I was with the world he created, how I rejoiced with the human family. This is a really beautiful passage, some really beautiful imagery that we see there. And when we look at the text, the language is similar in a lot of ways to Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning. Now, a lot of people, when it talks about Lady Wisdom being formed or wisdom being formed in the beginning, they might understand it to be created. That's one interpretation. Others think that since it's a part of God himself, it couldn't have existed before God. So another interpretation would be that God brought wisdom from himself in the beginning and used that as an instrument in creation. But it's still a really abstract concept, okay? All of this is very abstract. Were any of us tangibly there when the world was created? You know, do we know actually of concrete memories, what that looked like? No. So abstract it is. That's what we have to go off of. So however we interpret it, the point is wisdom has been with God since the beginning of the world. That's the point of this here. Um, you might be wondering, is wisdom supposed to be Jesus in this passage? Most people would say no, because Jesus is God, whereas wisdom was with God. So that's kind of a side note, but just kind of clears that up. So Lady Wisdom says that she was there at the creation of the world. Now, some of what is described doesn't really fit the world as we know it today, right? With science and just the things that we know. It doesn't really fit what is said. So on the screen, we've got um, a picture of what um, 
they believe the world looked like in ancient times. Now, this is not a very detailed one. You can actually Google and find much more detailed illustrations of it. Um, if you want to go deeper, you can look into cosmology, not cosmetology, cosmology. Um, Bible Project actually has an eight-episode podcast on ancient cosmology. If you're into podcasts, I personally have a really hard time with podcasts. I don't know why. But this is what is being described here. It's not a theological statement of what the world actually looked like. It's just giving us kind of an idea of those ancient beliefs that they had of the universe. So we don't want to get caught up in the details. Um, Basically, what we're looking at is back then they believed the sky was a dome over the world. They believed that there were like mountains or pillars holding up the sky and, you know, between the sky and the water. Um, They believed, you know, that pillars were holding up the earth and even Sheol that we read about in the Bible. That would be like the depths in there. And again, there's more uh, detailed illustrations that you can find online if you'd like to look further into that. So you might think we're getting off track and you might be right, but... (laughs) That's besides the point. Um, The reason I want to share this is because when we study the Bible, when we understand the context behind what we're studying, it helps us to understand it. It helps us to make sense of it. And then next time we read the passage, we think about, oh, oh yeah, I remember this, or I remember this. So that's why it's really important to examine the context because it helps us get a full picture and to make sure that we don't put our own perspectives into, again, what were ancient beliefs at that time. Um, And this language, this belief of the universe, we see in other books of the Bible, like Job, Psalms, Jeremiah. So this is not unique to just this passage in Proverbs. So again, when we read this passage of Lady Wisdom, we can kind of get a mental image of what She's describing here with the universe. So getting a little bit more back on track. uh, In between the beginning, the intro of Lady Wisdom's uh, speech, and then what we read here, um, she talks about the decrees made by earthly leaders. And um, when they talk about, when she talks about it, basically, ideally, those leaders would use God's wisdom to rule the world. But we know that that's not always the case, right? Um, But the Hebrew word used here to talk about rulers carving these decrees is like quite literally like carving into stone or like into a sculpture. It's quite a literal carving. And the same word is used to talk about God carving order into creation. So the same rule and order that that is supposed to be used by earthly kings and rulers is what is used and embedded into creation. That's pretty cool. Um, Lady Wisdom boasted about the fact that she was there at the beginning, right? She kind of pulls the ultimate authority card, as the Bible Project says. She talked about how she was there before earthly rulers. You know, now I I was there at the beginning of the world. By the way, I'm like ancient. It's a big deal. So to illustrate, I have a story to tell you um, about how Lady Wisdom's been there since the beginning. There was a doctor, an architect, and a politician who were arguing as to which of the professions was the oldest. And the doctor said, well, in the Bible, it says that God made Eve from the rib of Adam, so I'm sure that would have required surgery. Obviously, mine is the oldest profession. Uh, No, said the architect, or Lady Wisdom, right? Uh, Before that, it says that God created order in the heavens and the earth from what had been chaos before. Surely an architect's touch was needed, making mine the oldest profession. The politician leaned back in his chair, smiled, and said confidently, but who do you think created the chaos? Okay, just landed for some of y'all. 
So what does any of this have to do with wisdom as we understand it today? Uh, When we look at the dictionary, wisdom has some pretty consistent definitions. Synonyms for wisdom might be judgment, insight, knowledge. That's what we generally think of. But if this personification of wisdom is true, then wisdom is more than that. It's not just knowledge or wisdom or, or insight or judgment. Wisdom's a lot more. Uh, It isn't just the way we perceive something or having a common sense or making sure we make the right choices. Wisdom can be beautiful. It can be creative. And verse 30 gives a shout out to a lot of you here at Lied, the architect, right? We have a lot of really creative and amazing architects in our community. And um, if that is what wisdom is like embedded in creation, then it's definitely more than just knowledge. It's order, it's creativity, it's art, it's diversity. And It brings order, yes, but not in some kind of boring way, right? It's not dull. It's not plain. I mean, have you looked at nature lately? Have you looked into birth? I mean, all of these things are so intricate. It's a beautiful reflection of what God has made. My ESV study Bible uh, says, says this. The realm of wisdom encompasses every aspect of life in every corner of creation. So Lady Wisdom, the architect is involved in bringing order and beauty. And I don't know about you, but when I study this passage, I'm never going to think of wisdom the same again. It's not just knowledge or common sense or insight or judgment. It's a lot more abstract, a lot more intricate than I ever realized before. So if this is wisdom, what does it mean for us? What does it mean to be wise? And Proverbs uh, chapter 9, verse 10 tells us that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 2, 6 tells us that God grants wisdom. So this shows us wisdom comes from God. It is part of who God is. God is. It comes from himself. So what these chapters in Proverbs make it very clear is it's not something that humans just attain. We don't attain wisdom on our own. It's divinely given expression of God's character. So what does it mean to be wise? Or maybe a better question, what is a wise person like? If we go back to chapter uh, 9 of Proverbs, verses 8 to 9, it says, But correct the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. And there are a couple things that stand out here. Um, First, a wise person understands that they don't always have it right. They aren't perfect. They're willing to examine their own heart. There's a possibility that they are wrong about something. A wise person recognizes that. The second thing that stands out from these verses are that wise people are instructed and they become wiser. Right? They don't cap on their wisdom. They don't achieve this top of the, you know, first place in wisdom. They never make it. They never achieve perfection or have all the wisdom they could possibly have. They continue to make and remake and grow and learn. So to put it even more simply, we're going to go to the book of James in the New Testament. And I'm going to read um, chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. And I'm going to actually go to the message again for this one. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish plotting. 
Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. And I suppose I could just end there. It is hard work. This morning, my kids were arguing, which is um, very rare. I mean, (laughs) never happens. And one of my children said, yeah, you win, you win. Like they thought that the other proved a point or whatever it was. You win. And I said, "Um, no, nobody wins. If our family members aren't getting along, nobody wins. And after I said it, I was like, well, I have to use that today. Because it's true. (laughs) When we allow God's wisdom to guide us, we partner with him in bringing order and harmony, right? That's what we're kicking our series off with, harmony. We bring harmony, color, and composition to the world around us. And every day we get a choice. Will I bring chaos or order in my corner of the world, in this space that I take up in my community? How can I, in God's image, partner with God to do this, to bring about wisdom? This passage says that wisdom delighted in God, in everything that he made, and in humankind. How can I delight in humankind? How can I do the same? And wisdom is abstract. Again, I understand. We may not know exactly what it looks like in a world with a thousand ideas and opinions and ideologies. What is true? What is wise? It could be hard to really understand what wisdom is. But what we see from Proverbs 8 is that it is woven into creation. And we can care for creation in that way. But most of all, it cares for others. Wisdom cares for others. It looks to my neighbor, all of my neighbors. And I could list endlessly, but I will list a few. The ones who chant that black lives matter. The ones who hold tightly to their right to bear arms. The ones who fly rainbow flags. The ones who shout about the sanctity of life. The ones who insist on vaccination. The ones who believe that America can be, quote, great again. According to the book of James, I'm to treat all of these neighbors with gentleness. I am to recognize that I am not necessarily wiser than any of them. Yeah. I've had to sit with that (laughs) this week. But honestly, isn't that we want what we want here at Life in Debellum? We say that nobody fits, everyone belongs. What does that mean? Do we mean that? Are we willing to do the work that that entails? Because James says it is hard work. Are we willing to do hard work to allow that kind of radical acceptance? We say we want to be the unexpected neighbor to Debellum, but can we first be the unexpected neighbor here in this faith community? Can we first hold the umbrella over those of us here in the gathering, even if that means that we get wet in the process? 
And if we can't be the unexpected neighbor to each other here, recognizing that there are some of us who do and don't agree on big and small matters, then how will we ever go out there and do the same? It starts here. Marcel's going to come and just get a little background of music as we close. But I spoke with some of you this week, not all of you. Please don't feel hurt if I did not reach out to you. It was certainly not personal. If I were to speak to all of you, my list would be a lot longer. So I would encourage you to take what you will see as my question and talk to your life group or friends about that. Um, But I talked to some people in our faith community and asked them, how can this faith community be the unexpected neighbor to you? How would that look like? What would that look like? And here's some of the things they said. Uh, Sending me a text to see how I'm doing, to ask how they can pray for me, to send a note of encouragement, or to just say that they were thinking of me. And for the record, this was overwhelmingly the response that I got. That simple. Checking in, seeing how you can pray for them, encouraging them. Overwhelmingly, that was the response that this faith community said that you can do to be the unexpected neighbor to them. Inviting me to join them in their everyday life stuff. Showing up just because throughout the week. Coming to my shows, music, art, just being there, being present, coming to support me. Listening to me. Sending dinner when I needed it, whether it's sickness or busyness. Passing down clothes to my kids. Setting up a dinner together or inviting me or my family over for dinner. Buying my drink at Mocha. Helping me move. Remembering something about me or my family. Actually talking to me at the gathering. And some express having a hard time knowing the answer. And some were even so honest to say that they didn't feel like they received much these days from the gathering. And that anything would be unexpected. And I appreciate the honesty in that. And as a faith community, I think we can do better in being the unexpected neighbor to those of us here. So I want to actually illustrate this uh, point further with a children's book. It's called The Big Umbrella. It's very short. Don't worry. By the front door... There is an umbrella. It is big. It is big. It is a big, friendly umbrella. It likes to help. It likes to spread its arms wide. It loves to give shelter. It loves to gather people in. It doesn't matter if you are tall or hairy. My kids thought this page was funny. Or plaid. It doesn't matter how many legs you have. 
Some people worry that there won't be enough room under the big umbrella. But the amazing thing is, there is. There is always room. It's always room. Again, that's a book called The Big Umbrella by Amy Bates, co-written with Juniper Bates. So according to James, wisdom calls me to an intentional, relational, harmonious kind of life. It isn't about knowing the right answer. That's not what wisdom is about. It's not about knowing the perfect way to handle a situation or having the best judgment. It's about harmony. And when I partner with God in this, harmony, grace, gentleness, the fruits of the Spirit, (laughs) these are the things that come from basking in the wisdom of God. God's wisdom brings beauty, order, harmony to the world, everything he has made, including us, including you and I. The Bible recap. See, I can reference something else besides the Bible project today. The Bible recap said in a post this week, wisdom is related to heart capacity as much as mental capacity. It's not just about our minds. It's about our heart. So my prayer for us this week is that we would have the heart capacity to be the unexpected neighbor. That as James says, we would do the hard work of getting along with each other so that we can have a thriving and robust community. That we'd be wise in heart and mind, that our heart capacity for wisdom would grow and we'd contribute that wisdom to our little spaces of the world. Whether that be in our homes, behind our desks or our counters or in our chairs, throughout the week, in deep Elam, in our faith community. When everything feels tense, when everything feels full of disagreements and opinions, how can we be truly the unexpected neighbor? So go be the unexpected neighbor this week. You can start here. You can go out. Be a wise umbrella person in your little corner of the world this week. I'm going to close this with a benediction from Romans chapter 15, verses 5 to 6. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a good week.